center. Forget about this one. Drive home safely. One nothing walk off. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior and Ben Mates. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues. It is the walk-off. I'm Holden Kushner alongside Ryan Spader, the Ace of Spader, at the Ace of Spader on Twitter. I'm at Holden Radio. Spader, great to see you, buddy. Or talk to you, I guess. We're not seeing each other right now. But Spader's stats uh, tonight will be about 10-run comebacks as we take this on uh, Sunday. The Phillies and the Braves had an interesting game. And, of course, you know the big news right now, Spader, is Mike Clevenger. And you've known for a little bit that he was going to be on the move. That, to me, is fascinating to begin with. But... Um, what's going on with Mike Levenger here? Two teams interested, uh, whether it be the Padres, who I think you were the one that was was on them right from the get-go, and then the Atlanta, there was some posturing coming in here. Tell me all about Mike Levenger. What's going on here? So, yeah, I um, heard from somebody with the Padres that they, were move, they, they weren't done making moves, and initially I thought it was going to be Lance Lynn. I said uh, p- potentially um, Lance Lynn is the suitor, but then I heard it was either Clevenger or Hayter, and then from there I heard Clevenger. And uh, then I was also ter- told, uh, turd, haha. I was also told <laughs> that um, the from Padres camp that the deal was all but done. And now at that point, I don't know if, how much I'm being played by anybody just to get this information out there. And then um, Nightingale tweeted that no, the Padres aren't in it anymore. After he had tweeted that yes, he heard exactly what I'm hearing, um, and that Clevenger is likely on the move to the Padres. And um, then he, again, he tweets, you know, uh, Padres are out of it. And what I'm hearing is that the Indians are posturing. They're trying to get more from the Padres. And I I do believe he's going to end up in San Diego. Um, From what I was also told is that the uh, Yankees are out. And there are at least two rival GMs who believe that Clevenger is going to end up in San Diego. So that's that's where I sit. See, now I'm going to be wrong because I had Clevenger as one of my uh, top three signing award candidates. I actually liked him a little bit more than the Beebs, Bieber. But things have not gone well for Clevenger this year. He was an idiot with Plesak. They went out. And, and Zach Plesak, you know, those are the two guys that got in trouble for going out and, you know, at least being exposed or possibly you know, giving themselves a chance to be exposed, I should say. And um, Plesak was the one that kind of went off on social media. You didn't hear much from Clevenger. I do wonder how much this has to do with that situation, though. And because, look, he's arbitration eligible after this season. Clevenger is like, is that a reason to get rid of him now? I don't think so. Uh, He's a free agent 2023. You don't get rid of a guy arbitration eligible. No way. No. It's still control. Well, I mean, he's, he's going to be done after this. But still, the bottom line is this. this has to, there has to be more to the story than them just you know, wanting to get a bat. And they need a bat. Their offense has come along the last you know, week and a half or so. They were, one of the, they were as bad as the Pirates were the first couple weeks of the season. It was the Indians and the Pirates and the Brewers. I'd say those three teams were the first, heck, almost six weeks of the season were just anemic. But the Indians' offense has woken up. I just don't know outside of this guy getting in trouble maybe – that there's any other reason to trade him right now? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if Francona um, wants him on the team. Uh, it's just kind of, and I'm, I'm basing that on very little, just on the stuff that I've seen Francona's son say. 
and I, I don't think he would put his father in a bad position. Uh, but I, I really, I, I don't know why you trade Clevenger because he's, I mean, he's not even 30 yet, and he's an absolute stud pitcher. Uh, he's got very limited number of innings in his career, just over 500. And um, like you said, he's only arbitration eligible for the first time in 2021, and he's not a free agent until 2023. So it just doesn't really make much sense to me to uh, move a guy unless your, um, your motives to do so are based on something that's not exactly related to baseball. Having said that, the Indians have a wealth of starting pitching, and they always do. So it's entirely possible that they're trying to make a move to uh, help out their lineup. Their catching uh, has been brutal in terms of their offense. They've got a, I think it's a, I tweeted it out earlier, I believe it was a 431 OPS from their catchers this season, which is um, the, the worst in baseball. Now the Padres just moved on Austin Nola, who I thought could be potentially involved in a flip because they also got Jason Castro, although that deal's not finalized. Uh, Nola has a 9.03 OPS on the uh, season, so that would definitely help out either of those teams in terms of offensive output from their catchers. I mean, you're just talking about OPS. The Indians still, despite having a, a good couple of, about a week and a half here, they're still the fifth worst in OPS in Major League Baseball. Like, they have to have a bat. So I would get it. You know, I would give up Clevenger, sure, if I was going to get an impact bat. Now, maybe that's the team that's getting Clevenger. I, if I'm getting Clevenger, I'm thinking that this guy still has a chance to turn into my number one before he's a free agent in the 2023. That's how I would look at it. Now, um, maybe the other team is not looking at it. Maybe they think, hey, we could slot him in as a three or a four, and we don't have to give up a big, a big name. But the Indians, if you're not getting yourself, like – a legitimate offensive producer in your lineup that's going to be there for the next couple of years. If you're not getting that back in the Clevenger deal, I don't know why you're doing this deal. You know, so, and and it's, it can't just be for some prospect that's going to come along in two years. You got to get the Indians have a chance to win, man. They got Bieber there right now. They got Lindor and Ramirez there right now. Go win, Spader. They got to do this now. Yeah. So, um, with in terms of the Indians, I, I think that. If they move Clevenger, they still can fall back on uh, on Plesak, who is still in the I don't know the taxi squad or whatever. He's been optioned down there, uh, and he's he was absolutely a stud when uh, when he was pitching, and uh, who knows when they're gonna be willing to call him back up. I'm actually surprised because they're moving one or the other that Plesak isn't the one that they're moving, which kind of lends itself to the fact that they think they can get a haul for Clevenger. Uh, versus it being something unrelated to baseball, which I alluded to earlier, that it could potentially be. But um, I know that what the Indians want for Clevenger is that haul, and they want major league talent and prospects. So it's going to be something that uh, either a team is going to have to unload the farm and give them some major league talent, or oftentimes when you see a team moving a guy of the caliber of Clevenger, uh, it's going to be something like a three-way deal where they're getting major league talent from one team, prospects from another, and then uh, the other team is also getting pieces from either team. I mean, I just look at his 18 and his 19 seasons, and I'm just going to give you old school stats. I got the other stuff, but listen, 200 innings, right? This guy strikes out 207, and he walks 67. I mean, that's excellent. It's three and a half to one. Uh, strikeout to walk ratio 2019 last year he was terrific in his 21 starts he struck at 169 and 126 innings uh, again 
they also have a rotation where Carlos Carrasco has really struggled to this point. Um, he has had some major issues finding the strike zone. Now, um, he finally, and I, I would even say, you know, the Detroit game, it wasn't as much fun in the strike zone as he was hittable. He had a great start in his last start against St. Louis, but he couldn't find the strike zone against Pittsburgh. To me, that's the guy that has to turn around then. Then they think that Carlos Carrasco is going to be a legit number two. Um, because if he doesn't, I don't see how they're going to have an elite rotation anymore. I love Tristan McKenzie. I mean, it, you talk about a tall, lanky dude. That is Tristan McKenzie. He, he looks like he's about seven foot, 120 pounds, and he's actually 6'5", 165. I mean, I'm 165 right now, and I'm only 5'9". So think how skinny that guy is, Spader. Uh, but he has been terrific in his two starts coming up. I just, to me... And again, we're not in that building, Spader, but how can this not be about going out that one night? And if that's the case, what did he do behind closed doors compared to what Plesak did coming out and after just getting grilled for what he did, saying we didn't do anything wrong? Well, what he didn't do, actually, is he didn't take it to social media and lose his mind like Plesak did. But I want to touch on Carrasco because you brought him up as somebody who's struggling a little bit this season. And it's, something, it's important that we have to remember, he's, he's only made seven starts this season. And uh, his first three starts, he was money, as usual, 2.5 ERA in those first, uh, those first three quality start each time. Uh, he had uh, 23 strikeouts in 18 innings. That's Cookie Carrasco as we know him. Now, he just went 4.1, 4.1, and 3.1 in three straight August 12th to 23rd and uh, allowed 10 earned runs over that span. Now, that's uh, obviously not great production, but in his last start, he was back to Carrasco as usual. Zero earned runs, just two hits, six strikeouts over six innings. Now, if you if you look at anybody, even you know a, a guy like Kershaw or... Uh, Nola or f- anyone at DeGrom is probably the exception to the rule of the last couple of years. But you look at any of these elite pitchers, they have a two, three, four start stretch where they're giving up three, four innings over, or excuse me, three, four runs over um, uh, a limited number of innings. And maybe that's all it was for Carrasco over that span. Uh, look at his season as a whole. And it seems disappointing because three of his last four starts weren't great, but he still has an ERA that's 23% above league average as a whole. His whip isn't terrible at 1.3 and change. And um, I, I think that he's going to continue on to uh, be Carlos Carrasco as we know him. And, and he's going to pitch great for the uh, Indians. And I think they clearly have um, faith in his ability to do so. All right. So let's see what happens there. And you must be so upset to this day being a Phillies fan. I mean, never get over Carlos Carrasco. Never. Yeah, but he... So the thing that upsets me in that deal, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. So the thing that upsets me about that deal is that um, they got, of course, they got uh, Cliff Lee in that deal. But the thing that upsets me about that is then they traded Cliff Lee for Tyson Gillies, Philippe Beaumont, and J.C. Ramirez to like re uh, re up the um, farm system, which is just an awful trade. Uh, because they brought Roy Holiday on and they were replacing Cliff Lee with Roy Holiday when 
uh, in reality, you should have just combined the two. They planned on sign him in a- signing him anyway, and Cliff Lee was only making $9 million that season. It made no sense for that team to trade him. They should have built the dynasty from there, and then maybe I wouldn't be uh, bitching and moaning about the fact that they lost the World Series in 2009. Excuse me, 2009 was when Lee was there. Uh, lost, lost in the postseason in 2010. Uh, lost in the postseason again in 2011. Of course, Lee was back by 11, but 2010 uh, was probably one of the best teams that they had, even though the win total wasn't quite there uh, like it was in 2011. All right, buddy. Uh, let's move on from this. I, want, I do want to get to a couple other trades that went down. They're very small ones. Uh, but let's do Spader stats, stats, stats. So the Phillies, would they have a 10-run lead against the Braves? Yeah. So the Phillies actually had a 10-run deficit against the Braves. They Excuse were down- me. The, the Phillies were down by 10 runs. Excuse me. Yeah, so they were down 10 nothing after the second inning. And um, I, I had to know because once the Phillies started scoring runs, uh, they were within four. I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling a, a crazy comeback here. The Braves currently, with a three-run lead in the sixth inning, have an 86% chance to win. But we saw that dwindle down as low as um, I think they were at 61% when it was a two-run lead. And um, I, I just... Uh, had to figure out some stuff on uh, 10 run comebacks. And so that's what I did. I uncovered some things. Hopefully I got to use them here uh, if the Phillies are able to come back and um, make a historic comeback here. So uh, you want to hear it? <laughs> I would love to. That's why I went speeder, stats, stats. Let's hear it, dude. I think you just like doing that. But I do. If, it's, fun. it's fun. Okay. So if the Phillies <laughs> do come back and yeah. win... Uh, if they do come back and win, or any team in the future that comes back from down 10 runs, it would be the first 10-run uh, comeback for a victory since June 2nd, 2016, when the Mariners came back from down 12-2 to against the Padres. It would also be the first comeback from down 10-plus runs to nothing since the Indians came back from down 10 nothing against the Rays on May 25th, 2009. Now, just Philly-centric stats, it would be the largest comeback for Philly since they came back down 11-1 against the Dodgers on August 21st, 1990. Mm-hmm. That was just, uh, I was just 13 months old at the time. Wow. And then it would be the first comeback for Philly when they were down 10-plus runs to nothing uh, since June 8th, 1989, when the Pirates scored 10 runs in the first inning. And um, that game actually is funny because I can't remember what the broadcaster's name was, but the Pirates broadcaster said, if the Pirates lose this game, I'll walk back to Phil- or walk back to, P- to Pittsburgh. And because the Phillies came back and won it 12-10, uh, to 10, he didn't walk back to Pittsburgh that night, but he organized a charity walk from Philly to Pittsburgh and raised some money for uh, people in need and actually walked from Philly to Pittsburgh. So hats off to him. Uh, he, he kept to his word. I, I'm going to have to figure out the guy's name, though. Hold on. What year was it again? 90? June, uh, June 1989. So June, June 1989. June so that was just before Um Wow, that's going to be a tough one to figure out, buddy. I'll and find they- it right now. I guarantee it. There's no way it's Bob Prince. So, Jim Rooker. Jim Rooker? He said, uh, Phils, so the Phillies came back. He said, this is his quote, if, the, if we lose this game, I'll walk home. And hmm. he ended up uh, 
it's like one. It's sadly, it's one of the things that um, he's most known for, I guess, <laughs> because um, he he what he did was um, he waited till after the season to make good on his promise and conducted a three hundred mile uh, plus charity walk from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. So good on the guy. He didn't even play for. Well, he he didn't play for the Phillies, did he? Who Rooker? Yeah. No, he played for the. So he he was the, the, the Pirates. He was the Pirates broadcaster. He was yeah, with the, the Tigers. Okay. He was with the Tigers, the Royals for a couple of years, and then the Pirates for the majority. And he won the um, World Series with the Pirates. Oh, I just found this. I just found this on uh, on Wikipedia about him. Jim Rooker, right? Yeah. The Pirates scored ten runs in the top of the first, including three on a Barry Bonds home run. Rooker said on the air, "If we don't win this one, I think I want to be on that plane ride home." As a matter of fact, if we don't win. I'll walk back to Pittsburgh. Did you hear about that story? Yes, it's exactly what. <laughs> Is this why you're not on the radio anymore? <laughs> oh, there's like eight million other ones. Well, that was a good sense. That wasn't a good sense of humor. So, and it also says uh, Von Hayes and Steve Jeltz. I mean, dude, both they, of them. Uh, the '80s multi-homer game, awesome, fun, so much fun. They sucked. For you know, in the in the back half of the '80s, but there were some great players on those teams. Andy Van Slyke, give me a uh, Von Hayes. I loved Andy Van Slyke. I, I didn't see uh, the prime of his career, but he was with um, he was with the Phillies when they, the Phillies had a bad um, habit of picking up guys after they were finished. Um, mm-hmm. Like they got hard hitting Mark Witten, Dale Murphy. Oh yeah, <laughs> they got all these guys after their careers were like done. And um, Andy Van Slyke played. Um, He's uh, played 63 games with the um, with the Phillies in 1995, and he uh, only batted 243, 333, 350. But um, he he was just a monster. I used to love looking at his baseball card because I was a big fan of those guys who could um, just do everything on the field. And his 1988 season is just a beauty: over 100 runs, over 100 RBI, 23 uh, doubles, 15 triples, 25 homers. 30 stolen bases, 288, 345, 506. And then um, even if you look at the modern statistics, uh, wins above replacement has him at six, uh, six and a half wins that season. So uh, he, he was like kind of my guy f- for somebody who wasn't uh, a Philly, uh, who was just like your all-around ball player. Kind of uh, reminded me, uh, uh, Shane Victorino kind of reminded me of uh, Andy Van Slyke in his prime. I mean, I'm going to tell you the... Um weirdest story that I ever remember that surrounds Andy Vance like and it was um, this was a while ago too so do you remember the this really launched the Braves um, the Francisco Cabrera walk off it was against the Pirates um, and I'm pretty damn sure that's where Sid Bream ended up scoring right yeah so Sid Bream scored in that game and it was the National League Championship Series. It was the, it was winner take all. And he told uh, Vance like, if I remember correctly, he told Barry Bonds to like move, move. Uh, he, he was telling him to shift some, either move in or move out or move side to side. And Bonds flipped him off. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go back and you look at the video of that play, um, ha- wherever Vance like was telling him to move is exactly where the ball ended up going. That's my Andy Vance-like story. I don't have have an Andy Vance-like story, unfortunately. What if if Bonds just actually listened to Vance-like and didn't allegedly flip him off? 
Pirates um, might have actually had a World Series title then. Yeah, and could have changed the course of that team's entire history. But think about how good that outfield was. They had Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, and Andy Ventslake in the mm-hmm. outfield at the same time. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Bonilla, he gets a bad rep because of the paycheck he gets every single year and the way his career finished. He was a damn good baseball player when he was with Pittsburgh. There's a reason he signed that contract. He was not damn good. He was great. He was, he was one of the – he had to be one of the ten best players in baseball. Back when he was back when he was with the Pirates, and he actually had a couple of really good seasons with the Mets too. People forget about this, just because of the contract and everything. But once he went to New York, he had a couple of nice years. Um, yeah, I think he did. Did he have a good one with what St. Louis? Well, here I just got his stats up. So let me let me scroll down here. So he did start out with the White Sox. Not a lot of people realize that, um, and they ended up moving him on. So then with Pittsburgh. Look how consistent this here. I'll just go with his OPS plus 118, 143, 145, 132, 149. And that's when they traded him over to the Mets. And if you look at him with the Mets, 121, 133. And then in 94, he had a 128. I mean, he was still an upper 120s OPS plus guy. He was never the superstar that he was with Pittsburgh, but he was a good player with the Mets. He was a good player. He was a great player. And actually, really, his time in New York, like that 80-game stretch in 95 before he was traded to the Orioles, a 160 OPS plus, 984 OPS with 18 home runs. Um, and that came in 80 games. That, that might have been his best one, and they ended up trading him. You know what I actually didn't realize is in 88 and 89, he played... Uh... 159 games at third base in 88 and then 156 in 89 and um in that uh, i I've, honestly i never knew he didn't play anything other than outfield but in that 1989 season he played 163 total games <laughs> wow that's pretty good good for him man you know what the mets got for for bobby Bonilla? in the uh, trade you'll never you'll never know these guys I, uh, I don't even remember the other guy, but Damon Buford and Alex Ochoa. I, I do remember Alex Ochoa. Ochoa, I don't, right? I don't know why. I think that's just a name that sticks with you for some reason. No, I think he was like a super big-time prospect is what he was back in the 90s, and um, it never really ended up panning out for him. Yeah, you're uh, right. He was he was in the Baseball America top 10 or top Was he really? Four well, yeah, times. I mean, that, but again, to your point, that's how great uh, Bobby Bonilla was. And that's how great that outfield was. I will still say the best outfield I've ever seen uh, defensively was the 80s Cardinals. So they were running out Van Slyke, and they were running out Willie McGee and Vince Coleman. And that was probably, it was either 85 or 87. Whatever outfield that was, I've never seen an outfield like it. It's like balls just didn't drop. Now, somebody might go back in time and do some new studies on it and say, listen, dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. But I swear to God, being a Met fan back then and then facing the Cardinals like 25 times a year, it's just Here. like, it's enough already. These guys are too good. I, I, I got one for you that you probably, I'll give you, let me think. Let me give you three guesses. And it, okay. uh, just as a hint, it's in your lifetime. There's been one outfield in history that had a, that combined for a total of 100 home runs at 100 stolen bases. Now that's all of their outfield uh, combined. All right, 100 home runs and 100 stolen bases. Give me one hint. I need one hint. I gave you one. It's in your lifetime. 
Yeah. All right. It's in your lifetime outside of mine. How's that? 100 home runs and 100 stolen bases? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to guess. What is it? I have no idea. Pete Rose is 1987 Reds. Wow. So between Cal Daniels, Eric Davis, Dave Parker, and then their fourth outfielder, Tracy Jones, um, they amassed, and then, you know, Paul O'Neill as well, uh, they amassed um, 100, 100, only team ever to do so. Cal Daniels, oddly enough, at just 23 years old, was the best out of all of them. <laughs> Better than even Eric Davis in terms of his um, his his overall production uh, in 88. And uh, he was, I don't, I don't know what happened, or excuse me, 87. I don't know what really happened to him because his first three seasons, and maybe you know better than I do, uh, his first three th- seasons, he was a 311, 408, 527 hitter. Uh, with an OPS 54% above league average, averaging per 162 games, 102 runs, 32 doubles, four triples, 26 homers, 35 stolen bases. The guy was a stud. And then 1989 comes around. He get he ended up getting dealt from Cincinnati to L.A. and he played good for L.A. for um, uh, the rest of the '89 season and 1990. But other than that, he just fell off the face of the earth. Wow. Some good stuff there. I like that, dude. You know um, how much he, you know what he made in 1987? Uh, $130,000. $86,500. There's Cal Daniels. <laughs> it, now you're just getting into pinch hitters. Now you're just getting into great pinch hitters. I believe. I believe he was a great pinch hitter. Cal Daniels. There was uh, Rusty Staub. We're not going to have great pinch hitters anymore either. When was the last time we talked about great pinch hitters, though? Seriously. I don't know. If there was a thing did. in the '80s, I think. It's like this guy's a great, he's a great pinch hitter. Yeah, I, I think that's the pinch hitter is basically dead um, because uh, you don't have pitchers anymore. And I've talked about this before in American League games or games with American League rules. Rather, you see point uh, under under one pinch hitter per game. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your own favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. And I should know because every year I get NFLSundayTicket.tv. And this year I'll be using the code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off my subscription. And guess what? You too get 15% off your subscription when you use the code BLUEWIRE. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv. Use code BLUEWIRE. Yeah, there's no more AL pinch hitters. Uh, Lenny Harris, all-time pinch hitter hits leader 212 my boy mark sweeney who's with the padres broadcast now 175 manny moda smoky burgess and greg gross it's over dude we're not gonna see anymore i'm not gonna miss it though it's not a big big deal kind of went the way of the game winning rbi nobody even thinks about it anymore yeah you know it's it's kind of funny that the game winning rbi was it used to be looked at as like a uh, I guess like an advanced statistic, right? Uh, it was on the back of every single ball player's tops card, and it, it just is not even something that's even discussed anymore. And um, it's also still interesting because, um, in a way, the game-winning RBI is still a part of other sports because you still see that game-winning goal column on uh, hockey cards and on the hockey stat sheets. 
Um, but it's it's just odd to me. That's that's uh, that's a pretty good point because the game winning RBI is definitely um, you know that quote unquote clutch statistic, and it yeah. still is easily it's easy to uncover. Well, I think walk off or like the one hit that gave your team the lead in the eighth inning or later is fine. But if a guy had an RBI single in the third, and his team won one nothing, you got a game winning RBI. <laughs> so it was cool. <laughs> Right, it was cool, but it uh, just, aren't come back. at it. some point in time they just looked at it and said it didn't matter. What'd you say? I said the Phil- I don't think the Phillies are going to come back. Damn it! It's okay. I still liked your ten run thing. Thought that was really good. Yeah. Are you are you fasting? You sound a little cranky. What's going on with you? Uh, yes, I am fasting. I'm very hungry. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Are you dying? Uh, no, I have to get blood work oh, tomorrow. Uh, I got to make sure that uh, my liver's still intact. It's probably not, is it? No, I actually just had it. Um, I had blood work done three months ago, and everything was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, what was not great was my cholesterol was a little high. So they asked oh, me, they were not like, nearly uh, as high how, as mine. Well, they said to me, they were like, how long have you fasted for? And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, you're, you, you fasted before you took this uh, test, didn't you? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> so it, my cholesterol came back, and it was uh, 236, which is a little bit higher than normal. It's not even oh. dangerous or anything. Yeah, but mine's like, about yeah, just, 300. Mm, that's fine. You'll be fine. No, it's not. It's not good. It's really bad. They Are put me fat? on Lipitor, but I forgot to take it. No, I'm not. I mean, I got that little spare tire now, but that's about it. Hmm. You know. Yeah, so I got to go ahead and get out test or don't go whatever. dying on us don't okay. go dying on us i'm impervious to death so you've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you and while their dining rooms may be closed or only half full or half empty depending on how you look at it they're still open for delivery with doordash doordash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door right now our listeners get five dollars off and no delivery fees zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 dollars or more when you download the DoorDash app and you use the code BLUEWIRE. That's five bucks off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Hey, I got a uh, text from a guy, and again, this is this has kind of stuff, something to do with baseball. It has more to do with this podcast and other ones. I got a text from a guy, and he's like, hey, listen, um... Yeah, I was. I listened to you and Spader. I like it. I'm like, so great. This is like 10% of our listenership. We should have just kept our name, the best baseball podcast, but we didn't. That's fine. You know, we're doing that. And he goes, listen, uh, he goes, do you listen to you guys selves at 1.5 speed? And I'm like, what are you talking about? 1.5 speed? What is this? Now, I must say, I do not really listen to podcasts. There's one, maybe two podcasts that I listen to, and they're both during football season. So I'm not a big podcast guy. I'm not a big talk radio guy like you. I listen to a ton of music. I enjoy music. But when you listen to podcasts, my question is, Spader, do you listen at 1.5 or two times speed? And if you do, why? I don't understand it. So uh, typically, I, I got to be honest, I don't listen to many podcasts. I like live radio. I'm uh, still a radio file, I suppose. I, I enjoy live radio. I like local terrestrial radio. Um, I can see the reason for listening at 1.5 speed. I wouldn't listen to ours at 1.5 speed because I already talk at like 2.0 speed. You speak I think fast? So. 
I, I, I generally speak pretty quickly, I think. I don't know. I stutter and stammer and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I can see a reason for it. You get it done faster. I, yeah, I just... I don't want to listen to two guys that are talking like this. What's up? Hey, hey, Spader, let's do Spader's tax. Things like that. That would drive me nuts. Yeah. Hold on. So I'm curious. You said you listen to two podcasts. I, I presume one of them is Nancy Grace's podcast. Yeah, I do not listen to Nancy Grace's podcast. Does she have one? I don't know. Well, every, probably, everyone has one. It's probably yeah. beneath her, to be honest. <laughs> I think you like, hate her more than I do. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. You know, she definitely has a podcast. I just went on her Twitter. You know, it's funny is her um, Twitter photo isn't even a photo of her. Uh-huh. It's just straight up. Uh, a picture of her name, Nancy Grace. Like, uh, <laughs> what is that? I, th- I thought it'd be like a sign that says just kill men or something or no men allowed. You know, men suck. They're evil. Kill them all. You mean the she woman, the man he haters man, club? He, me, he, yeah, he <laughs> woman. He man, no, woman, he man, haters woman haters club. <laughs> yeah, he man, woman haters club. All right, we had some other trades I want to talk to you about. Cubs getting uh, Jose Martinez from the Rays. So this guy crushes left-handed pitching. Um, I actually think the Cubs kind of need to, and they're not going to think this, but I kind of feel like the, if the Cubs really want to go win a World Series, they're going to need uh, at least two arms to cover the probably the sixth inning on, right? Because you got Jeffress closing. Wick's been in there a little bit. I think they need bullpen help, but they obviously needed some help against left-handers too. You got you got um, you got the DH now. What's interesting here though is that this you know Martinez only hit two home runs so far this year, but uh, he's a guy in the past that you know has high home run to a bat ratio. So what do you think about this deal? Uh, I think it's a must for the Cubs because they've been playing awful. They're I mean not awful. They're um... They started out what ten and two, and they're ten and twelve since, which is not good. I mean, if they continue that pace, they're going to end up being um, about a five hundred team. And I would really love it, honestly, if they finished under five hundred, because I was kind of eating crow with their ten and two start, and all these Cubs fans ripping mm-hmm. me a new one and posting my old takes exposed that I said the Cubs didn't have a playoff team and all this stuff. Uh, but um, I, I agree with you; that team definitely needs pitching. One thing that really surprised me on this deadline, even before the deadline, uh, I mean, I guess we're before the deadline now because it's tomorrow at four, but what really surprised me was the move the Blue Jays made in getting Tijuana Walker. Uh, And I can't believe they got him for a player to be named later. I'm sure it's a pretty solid list that the the Mariners are going to have to choose from, but I just can't believe no other team could... um, give the Mariners something a little bit more valuable than a player to be named later. Uh, you know, give them a short thing because I, I love this dude. I think he's a, um, I think he's a stud. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. He's been pitching pretty well this season. Uh, he's at a 3.27 ERA uh, on the year. And if you go back to prior to his Tommy John surgery, 2017, uh, he had a pretty good season for the D-backs, making 28 starts. Uh, just fell short of qualifying in terms of his innings pitched. He had an ERA plus that was 35% above league average. Um, and then he uh, came back or fell to the Tommy John in 2018, missed almost all of 2019. Yeah, and I'll just say this, Spader. I think the Mitch Moreland deal is a really good one for the Padres, given that this guy has uh, got an insane OPS. I mean, he's flirting with 900 all season long. And that offense is already anchored by Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis. And now you just think about what. 
is going on with uh, this team adding Mitch Moreland, this nice left-handed bat. I'm I'm so pumped on the Padres, and uh, you know, as long as Paddock continues to ascend and they get this decent pitching, and Denelson Lamets this guy too, they can make a little run. I don't think they're a World Series contender yet because they don't have the depth in the, of the starting pitch. And I don't think one guy has really gone out there and said, all right, I could put him in, uh, up against Cole or Verlander. We got a chance to win this game. But uh, they might be that team next year. But this year, they are the most exciting team to watch. They're so much fun offensively. They've got flair. They got Tatis. Now you're adding a big bat. This is huge. All right, Spader, we are done. Great show, my friend. Uh, make sure that you follow Ryan Spader on Twitter at the Ace of Spader. I'm Holden Kushner on Twitter at Holden Radio, and we will catch you later this week. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including. A new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. NBA season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of all the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag. Promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts.